Hello, everybody, and welcome to the MGTOW Academy Show. This is Season 2, Episode Number 4. Let's hope I got those numbers correct. I'd like to thank you for taking the uh, time out of your day, night, evening, morning, whatever time it is where you are, for listening to the show. As you all know, I value your time a lot. Uh, we've got a couple of articles that I want to cover today, so let's not waste any more time and jump right into the first one. It's from the Metro.co.uk, and it's titled... Married teacher who performed oral sex on boy who's 14 years old, uh, just like me, uh, won't be banned from classroom. So, in, in case you don't understand the context of the situation, there's a, a teacher. She's a female, of course. She's married, right? She's married, and uh, she raped a boy. And you, you might be saying, hey, MGTOW Academy, what the heck? The story clearly said that she performed oral sex on him. Well, okay, uh, let's reverse the genders. All right, what if it was a male teacher, a married man teacher, who performed oral sex on a girl who was 14? All of a sudden, he's a rapist. But if it's a female teacher, sh she's not a rapist. Uh, in, in fact, the details of, uh, of her punishment or whatever, it's just more frightening. We'll get into that a bit later, but holy crap. You know, there's a lot to dissect here just from that title alone. She's married. I mean, I feel so bad for the husband. Uh, I mean, how, imagine being married and you're like, and then you got, you got, uh, cheated on with a 14 year old boy. That's just, mm. Yeah. So, uh, let's go ahead and actually read the article. Uh, oh. There's a little subheading that says a married teacher who performed oral sex on a 14-year-old boy will not be banned from the classroom. As in, will not be banned from the classroom. Dory Myers, 29, was only sentenced to 10 years of, say it with me now, probation despite admitting to molesting the student on multiple occasions and in multiple locations. Myers, who taught at a public school in the Bronx, avoided losing her license to teach after her lawyer, Andrew Stahl, said, There is a possibility that she could teach adults now or in the future, and we want to preserve that possibility. Well, if a man teacher, you know, of course, did the same thing, uh, raped a 14-year-old girl or whatever, you know, he, I mean, according to uh, this lady, this teacher's, Lawyer Andrew Stahl, according to his logic, he would, despite him being a rapist, he would be able to teach adults now or in the future, and we want to preserve that possibility. The double standards that you see in news stories and in society is tremendous, and I try to make that I try to make you guys aware of that whenever I go over uh, these types of stories. So, I mean, this is just some. Uh, BS excuse as to why she should keep teaching. Okay. So there's a picture of her. Uh, I'm, I'm sure many of you listening to this as a podcast on different platforms. So you won't be able to see um, see her face. You can look up the story yourselves. I should link it in the episode information box or whatever. So you guys can check out the story yourselves. But she's like a... Uh, I think she was like, what, 20? Yeah, yeah, she's 29. Caucasian, brown hair. A uh, decent set of boobs, I guess. 
Uh, I don't know. Uh, whatever. I guess you could see as one of those teachers who would do that sort of stuff. Now, anyways, she still is a talented teacher and has those skills. And I don't see any reason to destroy her ability to make a living and contribute to society in a positive way. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you one thing for sure. That 14-year-old who got raped by her can agree with her. Oh, yes, she contributed to society in a positive way. Yeah, clearly she did. The New York Post reported that Myers was fired from the city's Department of Education and her job at the New School for Leadership and Arts in Kingsbridge. The teacher must sign the Sex Offenders Registry after admitting a Felony Criminal Sex Act on Wednesday, a day earlier than planned. Myers, who was married to a Rockland County Sheriff's Office... Uh, was allowed to enter her plea at Manhattan Supreme Court in a bid to avoid the glare of the media. So, even in mainstream media, guys are constantly trashed. And, and let this story itself be an example of that. Like I said, if this was a man who performed oral sex on a 14-year-old girl, he would be titled a rapist. The media would be going after him like crazy. People would be uh, sending him death threats. But here... She is, no one even, I have not yet seen the word rape. I'm seeing oral sex. Um, and then, then she's even uh, uh, being, she's even been given the option to avoid glare from the media. I mean, double standards, man, double standards. Prosecutors had wanted her to be jailed for two years and to lose her teaching certificate. Two years. Are you kidding me? What if, the, like I said, reverse the genders. If it was a man, who performed oral sex on a 14-year-old girl, how would things be then? It certainly would not be two years. I promise you that. Whatever. So anyways, Justice Michael Orbus, who sentenced Myers, said uh, of her future employment prospects, this would be a matter that any licensing agency will be able to consider if they choose to do that, and of course, any employer. He added, this would be a matter that any licensing... Okay, my bad, guys. This is a, a problem with the website. They said that they listed the same thing twice. My bad. Anyways, Myers was arrested on January 19th and initially denied any wrongdoing. She was caught after the boy, who was believed to, be, to have been one of her students, told a friend about the abuse. Hmm. Yeah, and then let's, hey, let's take a look at the comments. So uh, the first one, I like and I agree with it. Uh, this one has six Oh, it has like six likes or upvotes or whatever. It's by uh, Gallen McMahon. He says, a male teacher would be sent to prison for doing the same thing. What hypocrisy. And I agree with you, uh, Mr. McMahon. I agree with you. It's called double standards, my friend. Double standards. Yeah. <clears throat> and then, uh, yep. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then the rest of the comments, it's basically mocking... Uh, mocking the whole scenario. You know, one guy says, land of the free home of the blowjob. Uh, then lo this one guy said, uh, when I was 14, this would have been a dream come true. You know? And it, it's it's so... I, I just don't get it, though. You know? It may have been a dream come true for this guy, too, but it's still wrong. Okay? It's still wrong. It's it's not okay. But whatever. It's okay. Women are oppressed clearly as... a as you can see, women are clearly oppressed. Men are the oppressors, and yeah. Just conform to the agenda. Don't question anything, and go back to sleep. So, 
the next story, or actually this isn't even a story, it's just this quick thing that I'd like to cover. Um, it's from the U.S. National Library of Medicine uh, and the National Institutes of Mental Health, whatever it is, uh, the NCBI. It's about false rape allegations, right? And then it looks like this was published back in February of 1994, all right? So the abstract says, Within the cooperation of the police agency of a small metropolitan community, 45 consecutive disposed false rape allegations covering a nine-year period were studied. These false rape allegations constitute 41% the total forcible rape cases reported during this period. These false allegations appear to serve three major functions for the complainants, providing an alibi, seeking revenge, and obtaining sympathy and attention. False rape allegations are not the consequence of a gender-like aberration, as frequently claimed, but reflect impulsive and desperate efforts to cope with personal and social stress situations. So this was back in February of 1994. And then it says that these false rape allegations constitute 41% of the total forcible rape cases reporting during that time period. 41%. Okay. Wow. That's that's scary. Like I said, in no, in no way is rape okay. False rape is not okay either. All right, you're making legitimate rape victims look bad. You are uh, you're making it more difficult for them. All right, you're only hurting yourself. You're only hurting your own gender by falsely reporting rape. All right. I just wanted to share that with you guys. All right, just wanted to share that. So let's move on to this next article here. It's from I think it's called what Detroit Free Press, right? And then this article is titled, Male Sports Need Women. A lot more women to stop the stupidity of men. What if we switch, let's do one of those uh, gender scenario switcheroo things, you know. What if the story or the article was titled, uh, Women's Sports Need Men and a lot more men to stop the stupidity of women. If there was an article with such a title and saying things like the stupidity of women. Oh man, the outrage would be enormous. But okay, it's okay. Men are stupid, right? And I actually covered this in my podcast titled The Men in the Media or something like that. Um, and I covered why men are viewed as stupid and this and that. You guys should check it out if you haven't already. And I, and I find that that is very relevant. You know, I find lots of cases where I, where I can like, I, where I can be like, hey guys, I talked about this in depth in this specific podcast. Go listen to it. Cause you know, it, it, it's, I mean, it's just everywhere, okay? The way that we are portrayed in the media, uh, mainstream entertainment, mainstream media, it's insane, all right? So anyways, let's go ahead and read this genius article. I have an idea. I'm pretty sure it will work, and I think it can solve an epidemic plaguing male-dominated American sports. Here it is. Women. We need women, and I mean a lot more women, to help stem the tide of all the stupidity being perpetrated by men in American sports. Football, baseball, basketball, and hockey. They need women, 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 and women. It wasn't just the scandal at Ohio State this week involving football coach Urban Mayer and claims of domestic abuse against former assistant coach Zach Smith in that the only person who reportedly was trying to do the right thing was Mayer's wife. It isn't just the Larry Nassar abuse case 
on Michigan State. It's any number of issues from cases of physical and sexual abuse to less serious but also harmful transgressions, transgressions like inappropriate comments, discussions, and attitudes. We need women in positions of authority and influence in our male sports landscape. Ah, uh, yes. Bow down to the almighty vagina. The feature is female. Okay, I, I did those last two parts, but you get the... You get the whole idea. This that's what this article is preaching. The future is female. We need you guys. We need we need women to invade male spaces. And I'm actually planning to do a podcast on that in the future, the invasion of male spaces. Uh, but that's for the future. Continuing on, <clears throat> we need a different perspective, attuned to the experiences, the plights, and the needs of others. Of course, simply having more women isn't foolproof or a panacea in or of itself. Outsted MSU president Leo Anna Simon proves that, but certainly the more women we have in male sports, the better chance we have to stem the tide and heal the wounds that some men have inflicted. So allow for me to get this correct. You are saying that we need more women in male sports. And let me say that again, but slowly, like, like a bit more slowly, but certainly the more women we have in Male sports. Does that like, do you guys get what I'm trying to say? Whoever wrote this article is trying to say that we need more women in male sports as in a male only space. What the heck? Like, like, what? Mm hmm. Okay, sure. Whatever you say. Whatever you say, cupcake. You know, I mean, what, what about more men in female sports? You know, and then women would be like, oh, no, that's creepy. Yeah, it's a female-only space. We have the right to our own safe space. Nah, nah, nah. Oh, boy. Talk about double standards, huh? So, let's go back to reading the article. <clears throat> so, what does this look like? What can more women in positions of authority do? It's too much to ask women to be watchdogs in the moral conscience of the entire male sports world. But their mere presence at various organizational levels could be uh, could remind players, coaches, and executives that there is an entire segment of society who might think differently about gender issues. Perhaps in executive meetings or in locker rooms, they would provide a check against wrong-minded thinking. So you're saying that? Wait, um. Females in the locker room? What? I'm not sure if I'm understanding, if I'm interpreting this incorrectly, but, uh, sure. Okay. Now, this, as far as I'm concerned, I'm pretty sure that male-only sports are about, uh, you know, sports and not gender issues. This isn't some, uh, gender studies panel or something like that. This is a male sporting thing, right? And don't get me wrong, I am aware that, that, uh, comments about women, and all that, they can be harmful, they can be wrong, and I'm aware of that, but you got, like, what this article is doing is taking something, twisting it in a, in a, in a totally wrong way, and, and, and turning it into something else. They're taking male sports and making it seem like that this is a, uh, a, a common prevalent issue that, that's, uh, harming women, basically. Alright, you got, you, you, yes, women do have problems, but they're focusing on the wrong ones, you know? This is a perfect example. Now, anyways, more women would unquestioningly lead to more conversations about their perspective and experience with issues like domestic violence. 
What's that? You want women to talk about domestic violence? Oh my god. In my um suicide, in, in my um podcast, the, the Silent Mill Suicide Epidemic podcast, I briefly touched on how women were the common perpetrators of domestic violence, which is um which goes against the common uh wide held widely held uh per- perception or the widely held belief that it's actually men who initiate domestic violence, but no. It's actually women. And this these are studies from like two thousand the early two thousands and all that of like thirty three thousand something people and they found out that in uh what was it seven it, it was in seventy percent of non reciprocally violent relationships that it was the woman who initiated contact. So if you want if you want women to lead conversations about perspective and experience with issues like domestic violence, sure man, go for it. All right. I'm not sure what you're what you're going with here. You, like you guys are the ones who initiate uh, domestic violence. But sure, whatever you say, whatever you say, okay, whatever you say. I mean, hail the vagina, you know, Almighty vagina, pussy power. You know what I mean? Anyways, let's keep reading. It might even lead to these women pushing forward mundane changes like requiring more workshops or sensitivity training on women's issues. What's that? You wanna? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm actually laughing. I know it sounds like a fake laugh, but I don't want to laugh too loud and obnoxiously because it just it's just not good. I have an obnoxious laugh that's gonna mess up the microphone. But um, you what you, you're you're trying to you're trying to make these male male only teams go through workshops and sensitivity training on women's issues. What? I mean, yes, I can understand how that would. You know, I understand, you know, why you would need that in, in certain cases and all that. I understand that. But are you sure you want to start with a male, like a male sport team, a male-only sports team? Like, couldn't you go to, to something else? Like maybe uh, sex offenders or uh, or something like that. You know, try with try with those type of people first instead of uh, male-only sports teams. I don't know about you guys. I'm not an expert in this field, but that's just my suggestion. Anyways, let's keep reading. I thought for a long time we had a cultural problem in male sports. In fact, the Free Press anonymously surveyed 33 players last month at media days for the Big Ten and Mid-American Conferences and 11 uh, said that there was a cultural problem in college football as it relates to sexual assault. 15 players said there was no problem and 7 declined or were indifferent. And like I said, I'm aware that there are problems within sports. However, is this really the the, the way to go? Y- y- you know what I mean? Okay, this just doesn't seem right. Okay, I like it's okay if you want to do if if you want to inform them on uh, women's issues, it's fine. But uh, trying to infiltrate male spaces is not the way to go, in my opinion. Now, anyways, let's keep reading. Is this proof? No, but the fact that even one-third of the players believe it is a cultural problem says a lot. Change happens slowly, but I have hope. Last year, ESPN and CBS uh, play-by-play announcer Beth Mowins became the first woman in 30 years to call a Monday night football game. And on September 10th, she'll call the Lions-New York Jets game on Monday night. Hearing a woman's voice on the biggest stage of our most manly sports starts to change everyone's perspective 
if even just a little. In 2013, uh, excuse me, 2016, Katherine Smith became the NFL's first full-time female coach as a special teams quality control coach with the Buffalo Bills. Last year, Katie Sowers became the NFL's first openly LGBT coach where the San Francisco 49ers hired her as an offensive assistant. Also in 2017, Sarah Thomas became the league's first full-time female referee. And in 2014, the San Antonio Spurs hired Becky Hammond as assistant and made her the first full-time coach in any of the four pro sports in North America. The Spurs have promoted her in this season. She will sit on the bench next to head coach Greg Popovich. This is a trend that's long overdue, and let's hope that it continues. Name game. All right, I'm lame. Wait a minute. Is this another article? Oh, pff, my bad. I'm sorry, guys. That's another article. I was about I was about to read another article. My bad. Let, that happened. That actually happened to me a couple of times. So it's a good thing I caught it on early. So sorry about that little issue, guys. But anyways, um, like I said, I don't really think that um this is the best way to go. You know, infiltrating male spaces. So guys, share your thoughts with me in the comments uh, below if you're watching this on YouTube. And email them to me if you're listening to this as a podcast on any of my other platforms like iTunes, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, all those different platforms. Share your thoughts with me, please. I want to hear them. All right. All right. This is another. Uh, let's go over. I think we have one. How many? One. We'll do two more articles. All right. So we're going to go ahead and jump right into this next article. All right. It's from the Washington Examiner, and it's titled, Feminism is the Last Thing in the World Boys Need by Suzanne Venker. The sheer degree of havoc feminist cause never ceases to amaze me, nor does their arrogance and condescension. In a ridiculous piece in the New York Times titled, What Feminists Can Do for Boys?, Feminist author Jessica Valenti claims that those who share her ideology can help boys become men. I cannot think of a more preposterous argument. Feminism is a major cause of, of the predicament boys and men now face. In what world could it be the remedy? What modern feminists want is to rid the world of traditional masculinity, pure and simple. And I agree with her, uh, this this author, Suzanne Venker, I agree with her uh, right there. Okay, feminists are here to infiltrate uh, masculinity, and uh, you and they want to change it so that it benefits them. Remember, feminism is all about feminists. It's all about them. They don't care about anything else. It's all about them. All right. Remember that. Now, anyways, they're consumed with the unwarranted and bogus notion that men in their natural state are prone to oppress women, and that the male drive to provide and protect is evidence of said oppression. While girls and young women have ample resources to seek respite from restrictive cultural mores, writes Valenti, boys do not. And this oversight makes them susceptible to misogynistic hucksters peddling get manly quick platitudes in dangerous online extremist communities. Not sure what the heck that is. Maybe she's trying to pick at Mikta. I'm not sure, but whatever. She then points to none other than Jordan Peterson, the Canadian psychology professor and YouTube philosopher who's become a bona fide sensation ever since the interview with the UK feminist Kathy Newman. But Peterson's meteoric, meteoric, I think that's how you say it, meteoric rise is hardly due to his being a misogynist huckster. Uh, on the contrary, it is due entirely to his being a shiny example of what it means to think for oneself and to be a mature, responsible man who's committed to his wife and kids. 
I can't think of a single better, uh, better role model for men. And I agree. The only reason Valenti views Peterson as a misogynist is that his work undermines the feminist agenda. No committed feminist wants other people, women in particular, to think for themselves. Not just feminists. The government doesn't like people who think for themselves. All right. They don't like this type of people. That's why you should always think for yourselves. Trust me. She wants people to think and behave the way feminists think people should think and behave. And no feminist leader worth her salt rings. Uh, I'm sorry. Salt sings. What did I just say? Salt rings. I meant to say salt sings. Okay. So and no feminist leader worth her salt sings the praises of marriage and family since that institution, as we've heard for decades, is inherently oppressive to women. The only thing Valenti gets right in her piece is recognizing that boys are in need of intervention. But her argument that boys should turn to feminists rather than to the likes of Jordan Peterson is laughable. The single greatest problem boys face today is fatherlessness. Ergo, they need a father figure to replace the man who's been missing in their lives. It is fathers, not feminists, who turn boys into men, and those who lack this father presence will turn any substitute to, uh, who speaks to them. Right now, that man is Jordan Peterson. Now, uh, anyway, sidetracking a bit on this whole father figure thing. Because of the government removing the father figure from the majority of families across the country, and I'm pretty sure across the world too, uh, I live in the United States, so and I got listeners and viewers from all over the world, so I'm pretty sure this is a worldwide uh, problem. Uh, fathers have been removed from the family, and they've been replaced by the government. As a result, boys no longer have a adequate role model to follow to become a man. That's why masculinity, uh, it's just falling apart, because boys don't have a masculine role model, you know? Uh, and that's why lots of uh, men going their own way kind of got a problem with single mothers, just because they have a... Um, they don't provide a uh, male role model for boys, you know, and, and then you know the statistics can back this up. In houses, uh, in in households without uh, a male role model, without a father, uh, boys they turn into they turn to drugs, they turn to gangs, they turn uh, into many bad things, you know. They uh, even commit suicide. Many bad things happen as a result of this. And you wonder why society is falling apart, you know? We have so many problems that are prevalent in modern society, right? And remember that the root of society is marriage and family and all that sort of stuff. Well, let's do some thinking here. Remember, think for yourselves, all right? But I'm not, in this case, I'll do the, I'll, I'll just tell you what I'm thinking, all right? You do the math, okay? After I give you my analysis, you do the math and think for yourself, all right? But think about it this way. The government has removed men, has removed fathers from the nuclear family. And like I just said earlier, family and marriage and all that stuff is the roots of civilization. It's the roots of society. So if you're going to screw up the common family, the traditional nuclear family, you're bound to screw up society. All right. You think about that for a moment. All right. You, you just think about that. But I'm going to continue on to this uh to, to finish up this quick article uh so anyways but those of us who raise children uh the oh pff, my bad i skipped i skipped a paragraph my bad this article for some reason i'm messing up a lot of things on this on this story so i apologize now anyways 
I'm actually glad Valenti wrote her article. It beautifully juxtaposes the feminist approach to parenting with the non-feminist or more traditional approach. Feminists want you to think old school parenting is bad because they hate anything that smacks of tradition. They believe boys raised in traditional homes are taught to be strong and stoic and to shove all their feelings inside. That, they say, is why boys become toxic. But those of us who raise children the traditional way as opposed to the new age feminist way do not tell our sons to play with guns or not to, uh, to not cry. We parents of sons know that both are instinctive to boys, and it's our job, a dad's job mostly, to help direct such instincts in a positive manner. No, the real reasons uh, some boys become violent is not because they were raised in traditional households, but because they weren't raised in traditional households. That's what I just said uh, a couple of moments ago. Okay, it's because there's no father figure for them. It is fatherlessness that creates the lost and angry boy who later becomes the lost and angry man. And it is feminists who contributed greatly to fatherlessness. There are a group, there are the group that demoted men from being respected providers and protectors of the family to the super florist ne Neanderthals. They are the group that encouraged their daughters to never depend on a man and to view marriage and motherhood as akin to slavery. They are the group that has rejected the very essence, uh, the very essence of manhood and that encouraged Americans to do the same. Feminism, then, is the last thing in the world boys need, and I wholeheartedly agree. If feminists truly want to help boys, which they don't, the one and only thing they can do is to get out of their way. Susan Venker, I got to give you a hand here. That was a uh, wonderful article, and I agree with you on that. That that was beautiful. That was beautiful. Man, so much truth in that article. All right, like I said, it's not traditionalism and all that kind of crap. Uh, that causes harmful masculinity. It's it's feminism itself because that's what uh, has caused the removal of a masculine role model of a fatherly figure from the traditional family. And then we're going to be moving on to one more final story before I wrap up this podcast. This one's from the New York Times. <laughs> Excuse me. It's from the New York Times and uh, it, it's titled Feminists in Line for Free Lipstick. This is just a little article of a, of some feminist or whatever. Playing the victim card. Well, I mean, that's what feminists do. Come on. You got it. Like, that's what they do. They're feminists. You know, playing the victim card. So, nothing says I'm a woman like a red lip. But, a red lip costs $18.50 plus tax. We were in a line that wrapped halfway around a city block. And we were talking about color. Red versus pink. Shimmery versus matte. One woman liked that peach gloss Michelle Obama goes for. Another thought Meghan Markle had a nice defined nude thing going. Somebody might come out with swatches, said the woman in front of me. Last year, a girl came out and showed us the shades so that once you got up there, you knew. I was just trying to Google for them, actually, said a brunette in workout clothes. Well, if you want that, I get the emails, said the first woman in a group of us quickly clustered around her phone to study a digital rendering of nine lipstick shades, all free today, only one per person in honor of National Lipstick Day. I went moxie, said the woman with the phone, whose superior knowledge and experience had quickly made her our leader. But I'd settle for dare you if they run out. A curly-haired little girl with a tiny gold purse, waiting with her mom farther up the line, dashed past us and back again. We would all be standing there half an hour later when her dad stopped buying a football jersey to take her home for a nap, and her voice would lift into a wail, her arms stretched back toward the crowd of women whose choice of Sunday morning activity 
suggested a share of commitment to both femininity and thrift. It's not easy to commit to both. Femininity is expensive. A tube of MAC lipstick costs $18.50 plus tax, and with nothing pressing on my day's schedule, it seemed practical to take advantage of a free lipstick deal. It feels good to get that small win, especially since capitalism so often makes us the losers. Women's products cost, on average, 7% more than men, known uh, a disparity that's known as the pink tax. Because many of the things we're buying are virtually identical, except that they're pink. The widest gap that I've seen was a sparkly pink kid's Radio Flyer scooter that cost $49.99, when the exact same model in red was $24.99. Alright, alright. So, um, y- you're here to complain about, um, what is it, a pink tax? Because your makeup, or fake-up as I like to call it, is more expensive? Hey, why don't you uh, go to a third world country? Go to a country where rape is common. Like like actual rape. And go uh, complain about actual problems. Okay, you're, you're trying to... You're, like, I get it. Okay, you don't like it. And I can understand a foul woman too. I wouldn't like that. But this isn't a feminism issue. Of course, feminists are going to twist it into uh, some sort of a victimhood mentality. So, eh, what, what can you say? They're feminists. So, this has prompted... Uh, prompted people like Elizabeth Nolan Brown, a writer and libertarian feminist, to declare that the pink tax is a myth because women could and should just choose to buy the cheaper product, uh, that it's their own fault if they fall for the marketing ploy. Miss Nolan cites his and hers razors as an example. Pink or blue uh, razors are just blades set at an angle, so you might as well save yourself a couple of bucks and buy the manly ones. But the argument dries up pretty quickly after that. You can't save money by switching to a man's lipstick, for example, because there aren't any. Why wear lipstick at all? I don't usually, but I've been trying to wear it more often as I get older and vie for higher paying jobs. It's a strategy and it works. If you look at photos of successful women, either chief executives or actresses or politicians. Politicians? (laughs) You mean paid liars in suits? I mean, what? They're all wearing lipstick. These women appear confident and responsible and sure of everything, a surety that starts with their gender. Nothing says, I'm a woman, like a red lip. This is what you pay $18.50 for. Category affiliation. The same applies to clothes made for women and haircuts for women, which are exponentially more expensive than for men. I do not need to pay more for these things, and many times I haven't. I cut my own hair for many years, and I got most of my clothes at clothing swaps, and you could tell. I worked at a college and was often mistaken for a student, and not in a you look so young kind of way, but hey, kid, will you carry these books kind of way? This did not bode well for a promotion, and I resolved to starting uh, starting to take grooming cues from the few tenured female professors with their neat bobs and Ellen Fisher wardrobes, through, uh, though the often better competent male professors, who far outnumbered them, tended to be wild-haired wearers of moth-eaten tweed. Um... Sure, man. Okay, so yes, uh, the professor uh, profession, I guess. It's a male-dominated industry. It's a male-dominated career because maybe there's just more male professors. I don't know. Maybe it's not sexism. Maybe it's just that there are more guys who are willing to be professors. But hey, who am I to say that, you know? As the journalist Danielle Kurtzleben 
put it, you're paying extra to pay uh, a made-up rule that society pays you less for inhabiting. I had a lot of time in the lipstick line to think about this. The fact that the pink tax is unfair to women while also revealing us to be complicit weirdos. In a way, this made revolutionaries of all the women in line. Our culture demands that we look a certain way. And we had all dedicated our morning to ensuring that we could look that way without paying for it. But alas, the category of free is filled with even more landmines than the category of woman. An hour into the wait, I was fully aware that I had worked that hour instead. If I had worked that hour instead, I would have made enough money to buy a lipstick and maybe even a liner to match. I had also given away my email address and been instructed to wave my arms and cheer for a National Lipstick Day video. I turned my back to the camera and left soon after. And if I've learned anything from lipstick, it's that my face is worth at least $18.50 plus tax. Wow. Uh, sure. So basically, you're, you're, you're here to complain about um, some pink tax when you have women who are in other countries that are legitimately being oppressed. They're uh, legitimately being raped. They're being denied human rights. You don't complain about that, do you? You're, you're complaining about a pink tax. Hmm. Seems a bit suspicious to me. It's, it, it's, it, it's as if feminism doesn't actually care about women's rights. You know, it, it just seems to be that they just want more privileges and they want to give the responsibilities to men. It, it just seems that way. I'm not sure if I'm the only one who's like thinking that, who's getting that vibe. Uh, but if there's anybody else who's getting that vibe, who's getting that idea, let me know in the comment section below. If you're watching this on YouTube and if you're listening to this as a podcast, drop me an email at MakeTowAcademy, <clears throat> excuse me, MakeTowAcademy.media at gmail.com. Sharing your thoughts on that. I, I want to hear your thoughts on this sort of stuff, guys. So uh, that's it for today's podcast. Uh, I just, you know, this is my replacement version of MGTOW News, just covering some articles uh, articles quickly like this. You know, nothing nothing different, just a bit of a different name, different style. That's that's really it. So, guys, uh, like I said, share your thoughts on all those articles in the comments or, or uh, via email. I love to hear them. I always read your comments, uh, and I'll always get back to you. Unless you're like a feminist or a troll, I'll, I'll always get back to you. And you guys know that. I love interacting with my viewers. Uh, your engagement is what inspires me, is what keeps me going. So please do engage with everybody else down in the comments or in the email, wherever. Okay, you get the idea. So guys, like I said, that's going to wrap it up for this podcast. But do not go yet because I have a couple more stuff to say. First and foremost... Uh, this podcast will be available on YouTube. It will be available on iTunes, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, uh, TuneIn, and a bunch of other platforms. All right. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at uh, all caps MGTOW, followed by Academy. The first A in Academy is capitalized. That's my Twitter handle. Uh, if you want to email me, you can email me at MGTOWacademy.media at gmail.com. All right. I'll always get back to you. If you have Google Hangouts, Message me on there, you know. We can do an audio call, you know. I, I don't mind. You can do an audio call with me, all right? And uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, please do turn on notifications if you uh, are already subscribed. And if you haven't subscribed yet, I have a suggestion for you, all right? It's a great suggestion. I suggest that you subscribe to the MGTOW Academy YouTube channel, all right? I, I know it seems insane and cliche because, like, like, practically every single YouTube YouTuber says that. But uh, please do consider 
uh, giving me a subscription, you know, like just consider subscribing, hitting that subscribe button, hitting the bell, you know, doing the casual. Uh, so that's going to wrap it up for this podcast, guys. Thanks for your time. I really do appreciate it, and I will see you guys around. But until I see you guys next time, remember that it's a very dangerous world out there. So be sure to keep taking your daily doses of red pills and to stay safe. Everybody, this is MGTOW Academy signing off. I'm sorry.